Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Max Marza podcast. Today, we're talking about the big lie, the big lie, the social media thing that you see going on that you just can't sift through. I hope this is a kind of a fun episode. It's inspired by Lex, Lex, I'll put a T at him, his name, Lex, Lex Friedman podcast with that CIA spy agent man. And they mentioned some enter- awesome cool informative podcast it's one of those podcasts you listen to and the guy the cia agent spy man was talking about a lot of stuff and you kind of listen to it and go hmm like they know a lot more and he knows a lot more than what he's alluding to and i got to thinking a lot about the research that they might have access to or might have done or whatever that is not public information because the way he talked about how humans emotions are easily manipulated and persuasion all this stuff it was it's an awesome podcast four hours long very interesting but he mentioned a topic on conspiracies and how he believes they're formed and that got me thinking about the big lie dun, 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 dun. but you guys gonna hear about the big lie in a second but first first you have to deal with my sales pitch always an athlete team why haven't you joined it's a seven day free trial you can join, you can stay, you can get some workouts in. You might like it. It helps support the podcast. And then if you guys don't like it, you don't have to stay, but at least give it a go. You can give it a try. Um, it's, I like it. I love the style of training. I think a lot of people enjoy the style of training. I think a lot of people get a lot out of it. We've had people on for over 100 sessions, over a year, a year plus. People say it's one of the best programs they've ever said. They said it, not me. That's their say, not my saying, not by a statement, but they like it. And so you might like it too. So give it a go. Always an athlete team, seven-day free trial. Check it out. Let's just get straight into it. Let's get into the big lie. I got my phone with me. I got some notes. I made a cool infograph that I won't share with you guys because I don't even know how you'd be able to see it because this is a podcast and you're listening. Infographics are what you look at. But we're going to do our best here, folks. Um, so the big lie stems from what I was mentioning earlier, like the the topic or discussion of conspiracies on that Lex Friedman podcast. And it really got me thinking quite a bit about social media. And oh, I try and have a social media page. I do have one. And at times it does better than others. And I look at other pages and it's like, man, like it'd be cool to be more like that or have as many followers or engagement. But in the day, um, you know, that's not always how life turns and my topics are very specific. But beyond that, I, I got into thinking about social media and the division within it at times and the controversy. And you kind of just go through social media and you get a general sense of confusion. I think if you just like went through and aggregated all the information, uh, you'll get like a general sense of confusion. And I, I was thinking about, like, why is that the case? You know, does my content make things confusing? Do other people's contents make things confusing? What makes it confusing? And I keep going back to Brunellini's bullshit asymmetry principle. And this is a hilarious principle, but it's very true. It's the idea that the effort it takes to refute bullshit and prove it to be wrong takes longer than it does to actually create bullshit. So you can just chronically outpace 
the refuting of your statements by simply making more bullshit statements and just muddying the entire water. The example I'd like to be to give is almost like a thickening agent. Like you are trying to transverse, traverse, I should say, cross a body of water. You're navigating social media. And the more thickening agent we pour into this social media goop of water, the harder it is to actually traverse it to a point where you just end up flailing around and you kind of get nowhere because the water has become so muddy. There's no um, possible means through which <laughs> you can get through it all. You almost have to go above it and just ignore it. But I want to talk about why that's the case and what I think is interesting and what I see. And maybe that'll help you all as well. And maybe it's a good marketing strategy. I don't know. Maybe I should take it up and start just hawking stuff that's based on this concept. So I call it the first lie or the big lie. And the idea is that if you have some, I think so often we think in absolutes like, oh, that thing is true or that thing is not true. And we round up. We do things that um, we we don't want to spend time thinking about stuff. Right? It's a cognitive effort. It takes a lot of energy. It's not especially stuff that's not immediately impactful or meaningful on our lives. That's not going to change the course of our life. And so you have this biological or I should say psychological shortcut where you round up. So if something is like 70% true, you're not going to sit there and be like, mm, is it 70% or 74%? You're just like, ah, good enough. It's true. It must be true. So you round up quite a bit. And this process of rounding is a big issue because when we round up our truths, we start to allow falsehoods to become truths and that influence the next step. So let me explain. So let's say the big lie starts with actually a truth. It's a truth that isn't necessarily meaningful, by the way. A classic example would be like, oh, uh, tell, it's, you, you tell something that's disprovable. So like either like you look a certain way, um, you do something a certain way, you move a certain way, you you are a certain way. And that is your anchor truth. It's typically anecdotal, it seems to be. Like, oh, I am <clears throat> I am rich, so you should listen to me, or I am fit, so you should listen to me, or I'm you know, I can run fast, I can I'm flexible, I can jump high, I can you know, I have lots of cars, I have I'm six, I'm nine feet tall, you know, all these reasons that are undeniable. Right? You have an undeniable quality. You are X. Um, and this truth is like what you, I call your anchor truth. And this is from which everything else propagates from and can be tied back in its origin. So you say something like, oh, look, um, I look this way. And this aspect of life got me to be this way. Now, that aspect of life and how you, what you did, like your workout methods or your business strategy, whatever it might be, is going to be defended by your anecdotal presentation of yourself. Say, look, well, I am this way. It's irrefutable evidence, right? It is irrefutable evidence. You are that way. That is correct. But it is not irrefutable evidence that that works for everybody. Heck, you don't even know if that's the exact reason why you are the way you are. You're simply pointing at a truth, something that is probably undeniable, and then taking that undeniable truth and using it as evidence for a claim 
from which it's not actually evidence for. However, the truth you're saying is undeniable. Let me explain. It'd be like saying, um, every day, it's like saying, look, I'm a, let's pretend I'm a professional athlete. Okay. And I say, well, every day I go outside and I stand in the sun for 30 minutes. That is why I'm a professional athlete. Well, the professional athlete is an irrefutable truth. The reason why you're a professional athlete is probably not because you sat in the sun for 30 minutes a day. But if someone argues that, well, that's not the case. And you go, well, I'm a professional athlete. I can do this. I am unique. I'm one of a kind. And guess what? That's what got me there. And so that argument is not even evidence for justification as to standing in the sun will make you a better athlete. They are two kind of related partial aspects, right? Because maybe going in the sun is helpful. Maybe it does make you more mindful in the morning. Maybe it does help you focus and make you uh, strategize better for your day and help you with mental clarity. And that can help you with performance. But it's this roundup phenomenon, right? You're like, oh, well, you might be 60% right. So that's a truth. So then we accept that as a truth. And what happens, these truths begin to accumulate. And you'll notice this because every time we there is a refute to it, it always refutes back to the anchor point or the evidence is always that anchor point. Well, I, I, I am this, I am that. It's anecdotal. It's not presented in research. It's not presented in statistics. It's not presented in um, any percentile correctness. It's not presented in a way that's saying, look, well, maybe, you know, not totally true. Um, the evidence suggests that you might be wrong here or you're right here. Nope, none of that. It's always back to this irrefutable evidence of something, <laughs> something that's not totally connected. And so when this happens, you begin to stack assumptions. Um, and the Lex Friedman podcast with a CIA agent had a very interesting discussion point about this, of how we can actually be objective and how we have human biases in certain things. Talk about how conspiracies are started and essentially... A lot of how we think about certain things are ba are biased because we fill the gaps in with our own assumed truths. And this is the same thing. There's an anchor truth in the example they use a UFO. Right? There is something flying in the skies. Absolutely. Something flying in the skies that we have do not know. An unidentified flying object. Another 100% truth is that basketball example. I am a basketball player, professional basketball player. Okay. Cool. The next step is where we make an air. We go, oh, well, it's flying in the skies. What could it be? Oh, is it? Uh, well, they appear not to be one to be observed. They appear not to want to be bothered. So they might be collecting information. And we say, okay, well, standing in the sun, help me become basketball player. Okay. Well, those two are not, I guess they are connected in the sense that it's partially correct. Like you do go in the sun and you do, it has benefits. And there is a probability that what that UFO is, is collecting information. But then when you start to take the next steps after that, you get further and further from the truth. I call it the operator effect right? or telephone. You ever played telephone as a kid where you sat around at a table, table circle, and you guys say one word and someone says the word slightly wrong. And by the time it gets through 20 ears, the kid, you know, it says, uh, I packed a sandwich for lunch and the final word the guy finally says at the end because it got passed through 20 kids and they have to pass through what they hear without trying to adjust it. They said, uh, you know, I passed a landslide for brunch or something. So it's close, but not exactly right. Um, 
the same thing goes with our truths. And so what happens is we make speculative claims based on the first, supported by the first anchor truth. I did this or I do this to achieve my blank. And when challenged, you point back. What happens is you start to layer these speculative claims onto each other to create a what I call a structure of lies, a momentum of lies, a mass of lies. You could almost look at this from a physics standpoint where the density of the object or you could go into straight, just, you know, the mass of the object um, basically becomes so large that the inertia to stop it, the force you need to stop this object, this object's momentum becomes so great that it is overpowering. And this is what you see time and time again on social media. The momentum of something becomes so overpowering. It's at times almost uh, a doomed quest to try and stop it because you're basically moving in front of a massive object with huge momentum. And to try and refute it, you have to refute back and peel back each layer, which takes time. And this is where the Brunellini's asymmetry principle comes into play because the person who is defending their argument, instead of actually debating that specific talking point that you yourself are trying to refute, they can create more bullshit. They can put more thickener in the uh, the water of social media. So the uh, ability for you to get through this information becomes absurd. The time and effort spent uh, to get through, it's almost like they are filibustering. It's impossible to wade through it all because the time it takes for them to make up some bullshit <laughs> requires you an asymmetrical amount of time to disprove it. And they can keep adding layers and layers to it. And as long as those layers of bullshit are close enough in claim that they are not too far extrapolated, that the round up effect uh, connects with that claim. In other words, um, well, let me just finish that statement. The round up effect connects to that claim. It becomes a truth or an assumed truth. So I mean by the round up effect, right? If something's like 70% correct, people are like, oh yeah, let's round up and uh, that's all totality of truth. It's an absolute truth. But the crazy thing is that 70% truth might not even be 70% true. 40% of that 70% might actually be assumed truths that have already been rounded up. And so there's actually at the core, there's only a 30% truth, but 40% of that 70%, which got rounded up, were these assumed truths. So you start to have this snowball effect of momentum that appears to not be able to be stopped. I have seen it on social media. The only thing that can stop it is simply just not engaging with it or ignoring the algorithm. Um, and it seems like this type of information is quite captivating to people out there because it almost gives them a falsehood of knowledge. I think when someone reads it, because it's spoken in absoluteness, someone who reads it feels like they have acquired absolute knowledge. And I think that's an interesting human trait. I think there's always a pursuit of absolute knowledge. You can look through you know, history and people want to find something that's definite. We don't like unknowns. We don't like uncertainties. We like definites. And the idea of an absolute truth seems to be something that has inspired humanity for thousands of years, right? The pursuit of physics and understanding how the world works, the pursuit of absolute truth. Um, you could argue... Certain 
aspects of, you know, maybe uh, uh, physics, biology, religion, um, any science at all, or all pursuits of absolute truths. And if a lot of our endeavors are pursuits of absolute truths. And so if someone is giving you an absolute truth, you feel like you are empowered in a certain way. And it's a, it's an interesting aspect to consider um, because humanity seems to in, pursue those absolute truths. Um, and you can see that in social media or right? the reflection of it. If, if social media to an extent is a reflection of our own aggregated psychology, our own aggregated social interactions, or even a network of interactions that you interact with. Um, you see that reflected in what becomes popular because what you engage with, the world typically has a higher likelihood of engagement. And that's kind of how social media works. What you engage with increases the likelihood that the world as a whole will engage with that information. That's a really wild concept. It's a concept that hasn't existed before. Um, it's a concept that's very new. And the idea that I don't want to call it a democracy of information, but like it's a <laughs> kind of is because if more people engage with it, it becomes um, promoted in a greater extent. And if we're all pursuing, if we all have certain common fall, uh, falses or we have innate errors with us, those common innate errors come to the surface very clearly because that's what we all innately gravitate towards. And it seems like this propagation of of truth is a, a weird propagation. I, I'm reading a book about um, the world and the world understood through numbers and stuff. And it seemed like back in the 1800s and 1700s, the same pursuit was going on, but it was through mathematics and physics. And the Enlightenment period is a different kind of pursuit of information. There's an explanation of how the world works because the thing about Physics wasn't really a thing until Newton, when the smartest humans never live, started doing a lot of really interesting things. Because um, it's interesting, I was reading the book and talked about this great mathematician, Laplace. I, Laplace, I'm sorry about his name, I apologize. Was a, a funeral nearly as large as Beethoven's. Right? Can you imagine that? We have a scientist nowadays who passes away and they have a funeral that's nearly as large as, you know, whomever our favorite artist is that we would all come to mourn it's astounding right um and so maybe nowadays with the social media stuff the algorithm and all those fun things our, our pursuit is becoming reflected on the things that are propagated through social media so tying that back together right in the first lie or the big lie kind of situation it, it appears that it manifests itself from taking advantage of our psychological shortcuts because it, it starts with something that's observationally factual irrefutable that person is blank that person is x y or z and we have trouble to dis to discern that a truth might not be a truth a truth is not always evidence put it that way i should have started with that Right. Yes, it might be true that this person looks this way, moves this way, runs this way, is this tall, has this much money, has this many cars, has this background. But it might not be evidence. Or what they do might not be evidence for the reason why they are that way. And that is so incredibly important. Just because something is factual doesn't mean it is evidence. And our inability to discern that 
is very palpable. You can see it on social media. You can see it in our engagements and in our interactions. And it starts with that first lie. And it's it's not, I, maybe I shouldn't call it a lie even, I do. Because that's under the assumption that the person who's portraying this message knows that that truth is not evidence, but maybe they don't know. I assume they do. But that first lie, it's a very small lie. And the rest doesn't necessarily need to be a lie, but can be speculation off of it. And that allows for a lot of um, just misinformation, for lack of better words, and confusion and things that aren't totally true. And so as we go through social media and use it to learn things and discover things and think about things, we need to understand what it itself is. And so um, what you engage with, the number of views, right? That's another thing. Like, oh, it has so many views. It must be right. No, it does it correct? It has that many views. It doesn't, it does not mean it's correct though. The number of views is not evidence for its correctness. Um, think about that. Ponder. I'll leave you all here today with that. I want to stop there before I go any further. Um, let me know if you guys like these kind of topics. I enjoy them quite a bit. Maybe we'll get some other people to engage in these topics and kind of discuss this stuff. And I appreciate you guys as always. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy and please take care.